you have been with us, we're walking through the book of Thessalonians, and Thessalonians is much like most of Paul's books. Um, you have a lot of, of, of teaching at the beginning of a book, um, and then at the end of the book, often you get this pile, if you will, of practical application, and that's what you see in Thessalonians as well. Um, in the book of Romans, for instance, you see actually eight chapters um, uh, of, of, of heavy, doc, uh, heavy doctrine stuff. And then you get 9, 10, 11, and it's, it's history of Israel. And then from 12 to 16, you get this, it's like he backs up a dump truck and dumps all this practical stuff on you. Um, Thessalonians is much the same way. Uh, he's dealt with a lot of stuff and second coming and all those kinds of things. And now we get to the last chapter in Thessalonians, and Paul's like, okay, uh, this, 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 this. It's kind of like a rapid-fire machine gun at you. Um, and that's where we are. So this morning we're going to talk about three verses and, and really short verses and really easy stuff to remember. Um, the things that we're looking at, um, let me give you a quick little lesson here and then jump back to it. But um, in the Greek language, um, we, have, uh, we have words and cases that tell us things about them. For instance, the words that we're going to look this morning at, um, the phrases we're going to look at this morning are what, what are called imperatives. And basically what an imperative is, it's command. So for instance, when you pull out of here this morning, if you're going to get on a mobile blacktop, there is a sign at the corner, red octangle sign, and it's going to say what? Stop. Now, here's a question. Is that an option? Contrary to the way you drive, is it an option? No, it's not an option. Why? It's an imperative. Stop. You don't get a choice. It's a command. Okay? The phrases that we're going to look at this morning, they're all imperatives. Okay? We also learned something about the way that a word, when a word, word is put in the, in the original language, we also learned something about um, the tense, um, which means when it happens. So, there are certain words that certain cases, and what, what we learn is it's something that occurred in the past. There are some things that occur in the present, and there are some things that are continual in the present, and there are some things that are in the future. These words, these commands that we're looking at this morning, are all in what we, in the, in what we call present, and it's a continual idea. So the, it's not like you do it once, and then you're all done. It's a command to do it again, and again, and again, and all the time, continually, okay? So that will help you understand what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. So with that in mind, fingers crossed, First Thessalonians chapter 4 on the screen, maybe. Um, here we go, all right. <laughs> wow, great day. All right, and here they are, three of them. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Okay? Pretty straightforward. Pretty simple, easy, continual commands that are really hard. Okay? They're really, 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 really hard. Um, and so we're going to walk through them just step by step. First one. Rejoice always. Now, got to be careful here because what happens is a lot of times we don't really put these in context and that kind of thing. Rejoice always. What does that mean? You know, 
hey, I got in a car crash this morning. No, that's not what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about, look, he's saying, look, here's the thing. Don't allow stuff to get you down. Don't allow stuff to get you down. In other words, take take a good look at your focus. Because here's what happens to most of us. When something happens, when something bad happens, what do we do? What, what's the first response often we, we go to? What did I do wrong? Right? You know, oh, no, I, I'm, you know, God, okay, what are you trying to do to me? Okay, God, uh, I must be doing something wrong because we've been taught, we've been taught that if we're good, what kind of things happen to us? Good. And if we're bad, what kind of things happen to us? Bad. So the second something bad happens, we go, what did I do wrong? We got to be careful here because this gets us in trouble. Um, and so what happens is when we're going through life and something bad happens, we automatically go in our head, okay, I must be doing something bad. God's mad at me. What and here's what Paul says. He says, wait a minute. Stop, guys. Rejoice always. He said, when something happens, stop and be careful about focusing on the situation, whether it's good or bad. Because what happens? When something happens to us, again, we evaluate it. So what, so what happens? You're walking down the road tomorrow. Um, you, you see a $100 bill, and you pick it up, and you think what? I've been good. God is blessing me. You get a $100 bill tomorrow that you were not expecting. What do you think? Oh, no. What did I do wrong? Be careful about associating the thing that happens with whether or not God was good or bad to you. Let me give you a classic example, okay? Because I see this all the time. And I'm not, be careful here, because I'm talking about a really, really, really fine line here. Let's say I go to the doctor, find out that I have cancer, um, go through chemo, radiation, everything else, tests come back, and you, we find out that, that, that I'm cancer-free at the moment. What do we often say? God is good. God healed me. Right? Right? Are both statements true? Are both statements true? Now, here's a catch. Are both statements connected? No. What if God didn't heal me? Is God no longer good now? No. See, we connect those together. God is good. God healed me. God is good. God did not heal me. You go, oh, that don't sound right. But it is right. Because the focus is not what happened, my circumstance, my event, the circumstance is God. God healed, or God is good. And that's ultimately what we end up wrestling with is that idea of God is good. And, and, and I want to challenge you because I think sometimes we forget this. And it's a subtle thing. It is a very, very subtle thing. 
It's the idea that, wait a minute, I have to focus in my circumstance, in my situation, on God. Not necessarily the circumstance or the situation. And that's important, and that's what Paul's saying. He's talking to people who are getting beaten because they called themselves Christian, who are getting imprisoned because they called themselves Christian, and in some cases dying because they were Christian. Now, these people didn't jump up and down and, and, and go, oh, great, hey, yeah, we're dying for Christ. They were still struggling. But it's interesting, when you look at them, you know what you hear, you know what you read of them? They, were cons- they took joy in the fact that they were considered worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. And I think that's something we really have to step back and wrestle with, is this idea of, you know what, I need to find God in the midst of whatever it is I'm going through. And we have to be careful because that's who we want to focus on. You're going to focus on the circumstance situation. I get that. But you can't make that the major focus. It also has to be God has to be part of the picture. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, you can always find something to rejoice in. I, I was encouraged this week when this storm thing hit on how many people here either posted or said something along these lines. It was amazing how God took care of us. Now, they got a gazillion trees down and limbs and everything else, but you know what the focus was? It could have been worse. And I'm thankful it wasn't. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about an attitude that says, okay, I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm not going to let this sidetrack me. I may struggle for a while, and that's okay. But this is not going to win here. And Paul says, look, rejoice always. Second thing is this, pray without ceasing. Um, bear with me as I illustrate this for a second, but, but I, I come from a world of, of theater. When I was in school, I was a Bible major, and I was a public speaking minor. So my, 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 my specialty in my minor was learning how to speak in front of people. Okay? On the side, I did theater. And I love theater. And the reason I love theater was because you got to, to be characters that you normally wouldn't be and say stuff you normally wouldn't say and do stuff you wouldn't normally do and dress ways you never dress and put on makeup and, and, and look like people you never... I mean, I got a picture in my office of me in a Shakespeare production. I actually have people go, which one is you? Because they got no clue. Um, and, and I love that idea because... But there's two, I, there's two elements in speech. Uh, in theater. One element is an element where you use uh, uh, costumes and props and makeup and set design and scenery and lighting and everything else. And it's, it's incredible. If you've ever been to a great uh, theater production, you know what I'm talking about. And the sets are awesome and the music and the, and, and the costuming and the acting. and It's great. It's a great experience. There's another realm in theater that's minimalist. Okay? It's much more difficult. And here's why. No props, no scenery, usually typically um, uh, top, one part of you is, is dark, the other part's light. So either you wear like uh, black shirt, khaki pants, or black pants, uh, white shirt. No makeup, no costumes, 
Nothing on the stage but maybe a box or a chair. Single light. You have to create the whole scene in somebody's mind. Much, much more difficult in the world of theater. Much, much, much more of a challenge. Because everything has to be created in the mind of the person with you and you alone. I see the same thing in Christianity. Most of us live our Christian lives with lots of props. We have Christian friends who are coming alongside of us. We got Christian music. We got Christian TV. We got Christian video. We got Christian TV channels. We got books. We can listen to our Bible on our way to work on an app. We can uh, read our Bible in, in all different kinds of versions. We constantly are feeding ourselves and helping ourselves and, and, and enhancing our Christian walk. It's great. But I'm also a realist to know that there are going to come situations in your life when it becomes incredibly minimal. When it's just you, when there's no props, when there's nothing there to help you, when there's nothing else to sidetrack it. And I know those are tough times. And you see, during those times, the only thing that gets you through those times is your experience and your walk and everything else up to that point. That's why Paul says, pray without ceasing. And, and here's what's fascinating about this. I don't, have, I don't want to give you a Greek lesson today, but it's kind of important that you know this. Not only is this an imperative, and not only is this in the present, but there's another added element in the way this word is written in the original Greek language. And it has the idea, it brings in an idea of spontaneity. So really what Paul is saying is, Pray spontaneously, all day long, for all kinds of stuff. You're driving to work, and you go, oh, what a gorgeous view. Lord, thanks for that. You're talking to your buddy on the phone, and you find out, hey, so-and-so's going through a stuff. Okay, great, thanks. Hang up. Well, hang up. Just dated myself. Uh, <laughs> you know, hang up. Uh, hang up. Uh, you hang up, and then you go, Lord, you know, they're going through a tough time. Help them out, Lord. Could you encourage the Lord? Is there anything I can do? Anything you can do, Lord? Lay on my heart something I can do to help them today. You know? It's that kind of attitude, Paul said. Look, great. You've got a prayer list? Awesome. But pray all day long. Don't make prayer some formula spontaneously be able to go, you know what, all day long, you know, oh, no, you know, kids, you're getting ready, to, I, hate, I hate to do this to you kids, but you're getting ready to start school. You're going to be sitting in the classroom. Teacher's going to throw a surprise test on you. You go, okay, Lord, that, that wasn't on my schedule. So, Lord, we're going to have to work something out here. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about that kind of, uh, of you, you know, you're, you, you, you find out your kid's got a cold or something or something's not, Lord, I need you to take care of this, you know. And this is hard. You can talk to my wife. This is really hard because I had my day figured out yesterday until I went to fix a small electrical problem that turned into, at one point, wires hanging down from two lights, 
one, two, three, uh, one switch, one, two, three, four, five, six outlets pulled out of the wall trying to trace this thing down. Paddle off the electrical box doing all kinds of crazy things. Before I finally figured out, and believe me, if you think that I was praying the whole time, God and I were having a discussion. This is what Paul's saying, though. He's saying, look, you know what? You, you know, you've got you to you, you, you realize this. You've got to realize that, that, that you've got to talk to me all day long. And then, notice what he says at the end, in everything give thanks. Whoa. That's hard. Because honestly, there's some situations that... Um, Really hard to be thankful for. And so I've wrestled with this for like three weeks now. Um, I don't think Paul says that in every situation give thanks. But I think what Paul's talking about is the opportunity in every situation. Because you see, even the early Christians, when, when they faced death, one of the things that they said, you'd never find them saying, you know, hey, I'm thankful we get to die for Christ. But what they do say is, I'm thankful that we were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. When Paul prays to be like Jesus, one of the things that he prays is, I want to know the, be known in the fellowship of your suffering. In other words, Paul saw, even in those difficult situations, a way to see an opportunity for God. And I think that's what he's talking about, is the idea that we have to understand that God gives us opportunities that sometimes we bypass when we don't give thanks in everything. Um. So let me talk really candidly, and some of you aren't going to like this, but this will help you because this is what he says. This is the will of God for you. This will help your soul. I think in American Christianity, we have this version of the Bible that is the farthest thing from the truth. You see, for some reason, we have been brought up to believe that we should avoid pain and suffering. I mean, we're in a culture that avoids pain and suffering, right? I mean, you know, you got pain, we got a pill. Bottom line, that, that's our culture. Our culture is, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, when I did my surgery, you know, good night. Not only did they give me medicine for the pain, but they gave me medicine for the for the nausea that the pain pill would cause because of the other stuff. I mean, it, you know, it, that's the culture that we're in. And somehow we believe that if we become a Christian, because we're being, trying to do good things, God is going to do nothing but good in our life, and we're going to avoid pain and suffering. Now, time out for a minute. Let me just back, this, back the train up for a second. If we're a Christian, that term actually came in Antioch as a mockery term, for people who are following Christ. They call them little Christ, little Christians. Christ-like people running around following Jesus. 
if that's who we are, let's talk about the life that our model lived. Was it a life of pain-free, no suffering? No. We're, we're going, okay, here's a guy who was mistreated. Ever had that happen? Here's a person who was lied about. Ever had that happen? Ever had, here's a person who went through hardship, didn't even own a, pill, a place to put his head at night. So pretty impoverished kind of thing. Here's a guy who, who was beaten. Here's a guy who was uh, crucified. And died because of what he stood for. And we're going, he's the guy I want to be like. But I want a pain-free life. No suffering, no hardship. I mean, I'm doing good, so therefore God should do nothing but good to me. And it's all a matter of context and perspective. Um, and I think that's what we forget. And I think as Americans, we forget that. Let me throw out a couple statistics to give you something to think about. Did you know that if you were born in Japan, your life expectancy is 74.9 years as of 2015? Oh, well, as of last year, your life expectancy is 74.9 years. Did you know that if you're in America, if you were born as a U.S. citizen, we have the 31st highest life expectancy in the world, 69.1 years. So if you're older than, if you're 70 years old today, you're on borrowed time. Because <laughs> the average in America, 69.1. Six, and you're going, whoa, maybe I better appreciate life a little more. Yeah. But did you know that if you were born in Afghanistan, I would have been dead three years ago? 52.2. Now, I didn't have any choice of where I was born. But for some reason, God said, I'm going to put you in a country where the average lifespan is almost 70 years. That's an incredible gift. I'm going to put you in a health care system that's going to be expensive and slow and has full of all kinds of problems, but you know what? You're not going to be like most countries where you die of pneumonia. I'm going to give you, put you in a country where we can put you in a hospital and treat you for that. You see... It's kind of a matter of perspective, isn't it? Um, did you know that in the world, I, I think losing a, a young child is, is, is a horrible thing. But did you know that in the world, one out of every five children that die under the age of five, you know what they die from? Bad water. Did you ever raise your children worrying about whether or not they were going to die from bad water? Yet 20% of the world, that's their reality. That's their reality. Um, 
Did you know that one out of nine people in the world right now do not have access to safe drinking water? That means in a, a group like this this morning, 15 of you would have gone up and got, gotten up today not knowing whether or not you could even drink water today. 15 of you. In everything, give thanks. See, it's a matter of perspective. One of the things that I, I've come to realize for me is that there's a reality about life that the longer I live, the more loss I will experience. And yet, the longer I live, the more opportunities I get because I got to live longer. Uh, my grandfather died before I was born. My grandfather never held me. My dad's dad died at 50. So I've already outlived him. I've already got to hold my grandchild. Don't know how many more grandchildren or years I get to experience with my grandchild, but you know what? Whatever it is, it's more than my grandfather ever got. And everything, give thanks. See, what, what I think happens so often for us is it's easy to focus on what we lose or what we don't have. And that's a natural part of life. I understand that. But the danger of that is we stop focusing on what we do have. I saw this when I worked in a nursing home. There are two types of people that came in. One person would focus on what they have and the ability that they could keep going. And one person would sit there and focus on all that they lost and how horrible it was. Who do you think lived longer? Who do you think had more people sitting at their table at dinner? Who do you think when they got wheeled into a community room, people said, hey, wheel me over to them? See, what happens is your outlook ends up determining where you end up. And I think one of the things that we've got to get back to is this idea of realizing how much we have to be grateful for. And it is so important to understand how valuable this is in your outlook and your attitude on life. That's why it's interesting. He, he ends this phrase by saying, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the second time in chapter 4 Paul said this is the will of God. The first time he said this is the will of God that you abstain from sexual issues. So in, in the beginning of the chapter Paul says, look, I want to help protect your body. So this will protect your body. Stay away from this stuff. Now he says, I want to help protect your soul. And one of the ways I'm going to help protect your soul, in everything, give thanks. Learn every day to find stuff to be thankful for. Stop and appreciate You know, and again, no one I'm going to preach this, you know, he kind of, you know, God kind of works on me before he works on you. So um, driving in this morning, it was one of those foggy things, okay, one of those foggy deals. So I'm coming over across down uh, Deer Run Trail, 
And I look, and there's like this haze all across, and just trees popped up all the way. I actually stopped, turned around, went back, took a couple of pictures, and took pictures actually along the way. People thought it was crazy. Nobody was on the road, you know. So anyway, so anyway, so the last picture I'm taking, it's like, oh, this is awesome. And I stopped, and I look, and the lady's standing on her front porch looking at the same thing. And I said, pretty awesome day, huh? You know why? Because you didn't get to see that this morning. Because you probably weren't even out of bed at that point. And that's great for you. I got no problem with that. But God allowed me that little picture this morning to go, hey, just in case you forgot how awesome I am. And God does that in our lives all day long. But if we're not giving thanks in everything, we miss that stuff. As I was working on this message and finalizing stuff and getting it all typed up and stuff like that, and then I ran across this this week, and I, this is what this is. This was kind of the thing, I guess, that kind of cemented it um, in my heart and life. Here's what it said: No matter how good or bad you think your life is. Wake up each day and be thankful. Because somewhere, someone is fighting to live this day. And you're not. And I think we forget that. A couple of things as I wrap it up. We need to be people of joy. We need to be careful about letting our circumstances and our situations overtake us. And we need to learn to rejoice. Um, It's not about happy, positive thoughts. This is about trying to see God in the midst of dark places and times. We need to learn to pray all day long for everything. And the things that we enjoy, the things that we appreciate. Not, don't just make God your, your magic genie in a bottle. Don't get to a point that the only time you're talking to God is when you want something. Those of you who raise children, you know how this works. You know, when my kids came up and said, Hi, Dad. How are you doing? How much? How much? Because you knew what that was about. We don't want to be that way with God, do we? We don't want God to go, oh, yeah, okay, so what do you want now? You know, now I'm at a great point where the kids go, hey, Dad, how you doing? You really want to know? Yeah. Good, because you're not getting any of my money, so all right, I'll tell you. And it's now about the relationship. It is such a more enjoyable thing. Isn't that what God wants for us too? Isn't that that what God wants from us to be able to go, hey, God, thanks for this, and this was awesome, and Lord, you know, I'm really struggling, and Lord, you know, you you broke this electrical thing, now you need to fix it. Um, You know, I mean, really, you know, racking my brain trying to figure it all out, clear my head, you know. This attitude of spontaneous prayer, and then here's the thing. In everything, give thanks. Look, I get that your life could be better. 
But I'm enough of a realist to know this. It could also get a whole lot worse. And there are a lot of people in this world that will trade your worst day in a heartbeat. And I think sometimes it's a little selfish of us to look at God and demand more and more and more and more and more and not be grateful for all of the things he has done for us. So you got up this morning. That right there is a lot to be thankful for. Because I've sat beside many a person who would give anything to even stand up today. I got a call from a friend this week. He said, been in a wheelchair for a while. Didn't think he'd ever walk in. He said, I stood up for two minutes and 45 seconds a day, and it was awesome. He said, I'm exhausted. He said, I never knew it could be so tiring, but he said, I got to see my room, the, situ- the, the, the room from a different perspective. He said, I can't tell you how great that feels. We've got a lot to be grateful for in everything. Give thanks, because this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. I close with this. Paul writes to help these people develop a deep inner strength that helps them in times of difficulty. A heart of gratitude, a day that encompasses prayer, and a heart that rejoices in who God is and what he's done. That's what will strengthen your soul. There are three elements that we have to practice if we're going to be handle the difficulties that come in the pain and struggle of this thing that we call life. Let's appreciate what we've got. Lord, thanks. Lord, sometimes it's so easy to get so focused on how things could be better that, Lord, we minimize all that we really have. So, Lord... We come this morning asking forgiveness because we have been so self-centered. Lord, help us to focus on you this week. Lord, when those difficult times come, may we find things that we can rejoice and be thankful for. And Lord, whether good things happen this week or whether bad things happen this week, Lord, may we have an attitude of prayer throughout all of it. And may we give, and may you give us the strength that we need so that people might be able to see Christ in us. When it is all said and done, Lord, may you be honored and glorified. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together.